Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to the Sort of Rider Rumblings uh, podcast. We're going to talk about the Rough Riders, surprise, surprise, and also about the Grey Cup, a topic which really doesn't have much to do with the Rough Riders. But uh, it is in Regina, and there is interest, so we will dive into that as well. I am here, as always, with my worthy constituent, Dr. Marie McCormick. Murr, how are you doing? Great. It's Grey Cup week. It's finally here. How long have we been waiting for this? Since 2018, it feels Something like. Something like that. <laughs> just, <laughs> I just never thought it'd get here. Yeah, it's, uh, and uh, it'll be over before you know it. These things, it goes from Tuesday to Sunday at a cycle that uh, never ceases to amaze, or maybe it's just a function of age. It went from 1978 to, to uh, 2014 pretty quickly, so uh, that's yeah. a function of being near or just, over 60. It was a good weekend of football, though, I thought. You know, I thought the two weeks finals were entertaining. Kept me going, kept me watching right to the bitter end, which, well, I was going to watch them to the bitter end anyway. I'm not saying I wouldn't, but exciting games. I, you know, I know it's not Ryder Rummers, but I think the two best teams came out of it. I, I, I would have liked to have seen Montreal here. I would have liked to have seen BC here. I was okay whoever made it, kind of like Andrew Harris. Yeah. It doesn't matter who they were. But, you know, I think the two best teams are, are going to be in the Great Cup, and it. Uh, Hopefully the Blue Bombers don't blow them out. We get to watch, stick around. Well, we'll stick around at the end of the Great Cup, but hopefully it's in a good Great Cup and uh, well, Blue Bombers keep it. The two close. best teams in each division are in the Great Cup. I don't think the two best teams in the league are in the Great Cup. Uh, you know, you could uh, very credibly say that uh, uh, I think the real Great Cup was played uh, mm-hmm. on Sunday when when Winnipeg met BC. And I think a case could be made for, for Calgary as a team that uh, – uh, as a 12 and 6 team uh, is superior to Toronto. So uh, I'm not sure this Grey Cup is a great uh, case for the East West format. <laughs> but uh, but I, I think be, the two teams that it is me. Did the two teams who deserve to win the game got through though, Rob? Like yeah. in the end, the Alouettes did. And in, in the end, the BC Lions couldn't handle the noise. That, that's, that's I think that's a big part. That's 20 seconds at the end of the game when there's the crowd was just so deafening. You can even tell over the TV. That the best team, the team that handled the the, the conditions, won. So I, yeah, I the best team won. The best team won on each day. I'm just saying that that I don't think you got the two best teams in the league in the Great Cup. Yeah, it you would know, have been great to have Nathan work here. Well, that's oh, the thing. I just that would have kicked this up to that could have given this this week a buzz that I just don't yeah. think will otherwise be there. Um, you know, and give all credit to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for what they've done, uh, but. I just don't think that's the type of story that's really going to um, captivate people in this in this area of the country, given the rivalry between the Rough Riders and the Bombers, and the fact that the Bombers have won won two in a row. I mean, I I saw four of the five Grey Cups Edmonton won consecutively in person, and uh, believe me, by 1981 it got pretty old. By 1980 it got pretty old when they won their third in a row, and they would yeah. win two more. So. Uh, uh, such as the uh, life of uh, so such as life watching a dynasty. You have to appreciate what they do, but it blew me away that the, the, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have lost as many games since obtaining Zach Claros seven as the Rough Riders have lost in their last seven. Yeah, I <laughs> I mean, what my goodness, trade. what a run they're on! What a trade, eh? What a trade for both ways for the Blue Bombers or for the the ride. The Riders sending him to Toronto, then Toronto sending him to uh, Winnipeg. Don't forget yeah. though that the Riders got Kean Schaefer Baker with the draft pick great... that they got that they they uh, received in return for Zach Claros. 
I think both teams would be happy with would be happy with the way that trade out. Winnipeg a little happier than uh, than what's transpired with Keon Schaefer Baker. But yeah, what a great move! What a you know you, you always wonder. And I looked that up. I saw. That. I was looking. Who was that fourth round pick they got for Keon for Zach? And it was KSB. So good trade there. So um, anything else going on in Ryder quarterbacking, World? Quarterbacking. Quarterbacking. <laughs> uh, the Bo Levi Mitchell's uh, <clears throat> negotiating rights at least traded to the Hamilton Tiger Cats on Monday for couple of draft picks and the ever popular future considerations. What do you think the ramifications here are in this case are for the Rough Riders, Mark? Well, I don't know about you. When I saw it come up on my Twitter feed, I was shocked. I didn't think anything would be happening this week. It shows that I don't really understand how the CFL rules work. I thought there's a moratorium on the Great Cup. I understand it doesn't really start till Wednesday. But yeah, I think they, you can kind of sneak it in on Monday or even the Tuesday. Yeah, I think the CFL, the business... The business, the season, off season is so relatively short; they can't really take time off. But it sure kicked off the old Grey Cup interest with a bang, and kind of put the riders on the uh, the front page of most web pages and uh, stuff like that. I I I don't know what the riders are going to do, Rob. I know you tried, you approached it in your column and and whatnot. He was their, I think he was their only option, and I think he still remains their only option. I still think they have to go hard after him. I still think that he's he's not he's they've sold they've traded his rights but they haven't traded him exactly so he can still pick where he wants to go as a free agent maybe the riders can you know out of uh, Charleston Hughes maybe swap something for Charleston to get him to come get his rights but back Hamilton but, needs a quarterback though why would yeah, they know. you know why would they sort trade of the riders rights unless they can't sign him but Hamilton's mm-hmm. now got that locked up for the negotiating rights and locked up till February so um that really makes it uh, that that throws a crimp into things. If that was indeed what the Rough Riders planned to do, but like you, I just I, every every possible next quarterback for the Rough Riders has flaws, and those of Bowley by Mitchell, actual or perceived, has certainly been uh, made clear in the past few weeks. But when I compare that to the alternative, I just I just think he was the yeah. the best of an imperfect bunch, and still is. But you know, Dave Naylor tweeted yesterday that he's quite sure Bowley by Mitchell is going to sign with Hamilton. And I, um, if you, if you make, try to make a living wagering against Dave Naylor, you're going to be in the poor house pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah. Like, and the thing is, you know, the incumbent here, I guess could technically be Cody Fajardo, but they've pretty well, you know, eliminated him from that the, earth. Is scorched. Scorched. I know. Yeah. And I don't, he doesn't want to come back. I don't think I'd be surprised Maybe too surprised. Bo Levi signs here, and, Bo, and even bigger surprise if Cody Fajardo comes back. Craig Dickinson mentioned they haven't given up on him the other day. Not, not and that's even being a little strong. Well, I in mean, those words. They, they gave up. They made actions speak a lot more loudly than words. Yeah. What they decided coming out of their final bye week was tantamount to giving up on Cody Fajardo. You can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. I think the only hope for Cody Fajardo coming back here is if there were to be a new regime. And that mm-hmm. regime might look more favorably upon Cody Fajardo than the than the group that that uh, that uh, nailed him to the sideline with two games left in the season. Uh, that was the pos- that was the window for Cody Fajardo to come back. A new head coach, new GM that likes Cody Fajardo more than Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson do. Now that uh, now that that regime is back, anything that is said uh, from that group about Cody uh, is is to be completely dismissed in terms of any possibility of him returning that that ship has has sailed and is now on fire 
Could they be in a worse position for quarterbacking right now, Rob? Like the, the, Mason Fine and Jake Delagala. Whatever. Levi Lewis. Levi Lewis. They got there's Levi. Nothing. They just don't have Bo Levi. <laughs> <laughs> the the um, there's nothing there that says starting quarterback all over him. You know, like you, you've been you've been around long enough that the second string guys get him in, get him in, get him in. We've seen what Fine can do. We've seen what Jake can do. Who knows what uh, Levi oh, Lewis can do. But with the same encumbrances that Cody Fajardo faced, a terrible offensive line, a very average crew of receivers, and in strategy that was so um, outstanding that they decided to dump their offensive coordinator. Yeah, and so, the receivers coach. And I, mean, I don't coach. think the situation is any fairer to Mason Fine than it was to Cody Fajardo. Both of them were put in very unenviable situations and with the predictable results. So I don't think they really... I don't think you completely write off Mason Fine, but you certainly can't put a lot of stock in it either because that's just can't be the plan going forward. They've got to win next year or they're, they're gone. So they've got to find a quick fix, but where's the quick fix? There's, where's there's the quick, no quick fix? fix? Not in this <laughs> offense. <laughs> there's no quick fix. They, they really painted themselves into a corner with one with O'Day and Dickinson on one year, still have one year remaining on their contract. So looking to get anybody to sign and getting continuity is, is going to be tough. It's going to be a tough sell when you only have a one-year deal and guys are looking for continuity. They don't. They really aren't a lot of great quarterbacks out there. And even Bo Levi comes with baggage. So yeah, anybody to, they were going to get was was you know, full you of question marks. I'm, I'm not, not sure that. I just I don't think there's a better case for. Take away what happened at the end of the year. I don't think any quarterback that's out there would be better than bringing back Cody Fajardo. I just don't think, A, that they can bring him back and B, that we'd want to come back. But yeah. honestly, when you look at what he did behind that offensive line, like, I don't know what more you could expect. I mean, I, I think we've talked st- about this before on podcasts. But, I'd be uh, shocked if Cody came back. You know, and, I just and I've cannot learned- see it. I've learned this year. You never say never because never, never exists in the CFL. But that that ship has sailed. That book has been closed. The chapters, the book has ended. They moved on another chapter. I, I don't think Cody, I've heard, I, I, I question whether Cody and Jason got along. I wonder if there's more of a disconnect higher up between Cody and Craig. Maybe regardless, it was Craig's final decision to obviously bench Cody. Maybe he's not over that. Cody's not over that. So there's still all that sort of leftover baggage for, for Cody. But he he'll, he wants to, he has to move on. There's How can you come back after being treated that way? I don't and know. How, how can much, you sell that? I just How can you sell to the fans? Even Bo Levi isn't the easiest of sells either. He's a guy with shoulder injuries. He's going to be 33 in March. A lot of Ryder fans just don't like him. Yeah, and I've, I've always liked him. I I've always him liked be, him. But... I found him to be good to deal with and that stuff, so. I think, you know, if he were to come here, I think people would flip in an instant, but I just can't see that that happening. And uh, the other thing that, the the other problem this creates is that um, the Riders are pretty much waiting now until February to figure out who their quarterback is. They've got to hire an offensive coordinator before that, or all the good ones will be gone. So again, how do you ensure that there's compatibility between your quarterback and offensive coordinator if one is hired so far in advance of the other element being introduced into the equation, uh, you know, l- let's say that the riders have been able to trade for Bo Levi Mitchell's rights, then you then you've, you're negotiating with a quarterback at the same time as you're trying to bring in an offensive coordinator, and there can be some kind of of harmony there. Uh, 
How do you ensure that there's a compatibility that they've already acknowledged was lacking when there's such a distance between the hiring of an offensive coordinator and the and the uh, landing of a quarterback, whomever that may be? I think that just impedes the whole process. I also think it's going to happen, but I still think regardless of the processes, it's going to probably happen pretty quickly. I think Craig wants to get the offensive coordinator settled. Because Ottawa is looking for a head coach. It's going to be all the other changes because come Sunday, there's only going to be one team that's one one team that's winning, and that's going to be the Great Cup champion. Now the other teams are going to look and say, what can we do to get better? And you know whoever wins is going to look to see what they can get better. That means hiring new staff and stuff because they're going to move on, move up, and whatnot. So I anticipate it's going to happen pretty quickly. And regardless, whoever they get for end up with quarterback, that's they're going to go with. Because as I've said, and we're probably going to mention, I don't know, if we can ever hit this hard enough, they're on, they only have one year left between the two of them on their contracts. And I see that as a really tough sell in the CFL when offensive coordinators and DCs, defensive coordinators traditionally, and I'm not saying all the time, but traditionally get two year deals. So I think uh, a little short sighted on Craig Reynolds part. Well, did they deserve an extension? I don't know how you sell an extension after that season, but you have to deal with the, financial and and the perception of what what you have in your staff that your two biggest guys are only on one-year deals and have one year remaining on their contracts and you got to somehow sell that as being maybe a positive i'm not one thing they would be able to sell under different circumstances was look would be look there's veteran quarterbacks out there but they all have flaws we're going to develop our own guy but they're not in a position where they can do that when they're on one-year contracts it's win or else and craig reynolds made that very clear on this very podcast last week what the mandate is for next year is get back to winning football. So they don't have the luxury of patience. They don't have the the luxury of being able to nurture a young a young quarterback, uh, even if they were to find one. I, I just don't think that uh, that is compatible with having a head coach and GM on expiring contracts. They've got to win. So that reduces your pool of candidates to the the established or or veteran quarterbacks who are out there. And it's a pretty short list, and there's some maybes. Uh, Vernon Adams Jr. I think would be on the list if if um, if if Nathan Rourke returns next year and he may go to the NFL, uh, uh, then I think Vernon Adams Jr. I believe is still under contract to BC next year, but I think he's going to want to play. Um, you know, there's 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 Nick Arbuckle. There's another name you can you can throw out there. The fact that that Hamilton is traded for Bolivar Mitchell, if they get that deal done, that renders Dane Evans expendable. And uh, Trevor Harris is to become a free agent in February if he doesn't resign with Montreal. And that, other than that, you're talking about the Matthew Schultzes of the world. Um, mm-hmm. So there's your quarterback pool in terms of veteran quarterbacks. One of them will probably end up here. But who will mm-hmm. that be and will that work? I, Of the options that are available if or potentially available, I would like Trevor Harris the most if, if uh, he's coming off a pretty good year. If for mm-hmm. some reason Montreal doesn't sign him, uh, I'd like, I think Trevor Harris would, would look good here, but if you're looking at it from Montreal's perspective, you're looking at the quarterbacking landscape and saying, well, we got to resign Trevor Harris. Cause otherwise we're in the same boat as the Saskatchewan exactly. Rough Riders thinking, do we want Dane Evans? Do we want Vernon Adams jr? Which they've already tried Matthew Schultz, Nick Arbuckle, et cetera. Every, every team that's looking for a quarterback and there are not just uh, one or two, I would think, uh, we'll, we'll have, we'll be faced with the same same issue the Rough Riders are. So why would Montreal, unless they just decide they want to groom a young quarterback, um, 
severed ties with, with Trevor Harris. But if they if they do, that would seem to be the best option here. But he might be the best option somewhere else too. Could you imagine trying to sell Dane Evans in this market? Dane Evans is good when he doesn't turn the ball over. I think he lost seven fumbles or some crazy number like that. And how many picks? And, you know, that's one of the reasons Toronto has so many turnovers in its favor is they played Hamilton four times and they got an opportunity to get a lot because it was a turnover crazy team. They cleaned it up as the season went on, but earlier on. So I don't know how you sell a Dan, Dean Evans here. And what do you say to Trevor Harris? Here's our placeholder till we get a quarterback that develops and we can, you know, maybe have something coming through the system. Some guy is going to. Yeah, I mean, you can't really say you're our guy uh, with any assurance, given that person any assurance beyond November of 2023. Yeah. So I think that becomes an issue too, if you want to sign somebody long-term. Um, now, once upon a time in 1951, the, the Rough Riders signed a quarterback who had started at the University of Tulsa named Glenn Dobbs. So maybe the Tulsa connection could work again with uh, Dane Evans. Uh, 70 plus years later, uh, you know, he's got a great arm. He's shown he's, he's taken, he's quarterbacked in a gray cup. Uh, there's a lot of things to really like about him. That's why Hamilton decided he was their guy and they let Jeremiah Mazzoli go to, go to Ottawa. So they, I mean, people have seen something in Dane Evans and there, there was a game this season where he, I think we lit it up through five touchdown passes, yeah. but he's equally prone <laughs> to committing five turnovers. And, yeah. uh, but that's your quarterbacking pool, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, sometimes, you know, all the Cody Fajardo detractors, be careful what you wish for, because now that uh, shallow pool of, of quarterbacks is, is the one in which the Rough Riders have chosen to wade. Well, maybe they'll get a better offensive line in the offseason. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Hopefully. Well, they don't have a choice. I mean, they if, have to do some, Patrick Mahomes gonna... couldn't have done anything behind that offensive line last year yeah. uh, or this year. Is it this year or last year? It seems <laughs> like last say. year, but it's it still seems like year. ten years ago. There was, uh, it you know, was, it, uh, and I'm gonna. It, it, I kind of, I miss being part of the playoffs. I kind of got maybe used to you know that that kind of buzz you get going through the semifinal and this year and you around that stuff. I really miss that aspect, and I'm sure the riders miss it too, financially and emotionally. But so we get to a little bit of it in the Great Cup. But you know, as you said, the the. And it's tough to say there's no buzz because there is a bit of a buzz. But do you feel there's a big, a huge buzz? Or is that going to start maybe tomorrow when the coaches start their press conferences and the, the team parties start to build up? Maybe this oh, will I turn mean, out to be the great There will be a buzz by the, by once, once the venues get going, that will create its own buzz. I think it'll create more of a buzz than the game will. I think the fact that there's a festival in town, people are going to enjoy that. And there's lots of cool things to do. Yeah. And, you know, by the end of the weekend, or I'm going to see some friends I haven't seen in a while and, and things like that. You get wrapped up in it. Um, but the game itself, I don't think it's an intriguing matchup because it should be Winnipeg winning without too much difficulty. And it's Winnipeg winning again. And there's not the, there's just, it's a game that's virtually devoid of marquee value. As, as tremendous as Zach Kalaros has been, um, there's nothing really that really radiates excitement about Zach Kalaros. He was once a quarterback here and, and uh, I mean, he's done some great things in the, in the Canadian football league, but he's been around long enough that there's no, it's not like, Hey, here's Warren Moon quarterbacking Edmonton. It's not like there's not that here. Here's Doug Flutie quarterbacking Calgary or Toronto. Um, you don't have that. Again, that's where they miss the Nathan Rourke factor. I think that's where they miss a really intriguing matchup. There's just nothing really, electric about the about the Toronto Argonauts 
You don't think so, Andrew Harris fires things up? Is there that yeah, rivalry? Harris versus get... Munch versus his old teammates is, is the best storyline. But um But does that get Saskatchewan fired up? Because you know, I just I think Ryder fans are gonna look at this game and say, well, regardless of, of who wins, it's it's tantamount to making the decision between would you rather get hit by a truck or a bus? Would you like to see Winnipeg win the Grey Cup on, on Mosaic Stadium turf? Or would you like to see Andrew Harris win the Grey Cup here? One of those is going to happen. <laughs> exactly. Neither one of them, I think, is a particularly joyous sight for Rough Riders fans. I think uh, that could be kind of an ordeal for people. So I, I, uh, I just... I just don't sense that there's this, this isn't a very intriguing matchup. There isn't a lot of marquee power among the, among the players. And uh, aside from that, it's a, and this will probably, and you know what? It'll probably turn into a tremendous game. Now that, now that we're saying all this. It, it, it could. Cause I, I don't think Toronto is that far behind Winnipeg, but I think Winnipeg just gets the advantage. One, one of the things I feel about Winnipeg has so much experience like you don't go to two back-to-back great cups and win back-to-back great cups without gaining experience, without knowing what to expect when you get here. Like the teams arrive today, they see what happens. There'll be a media entourage waiting on the tarmac for them. And I don't know if many of the some of the Argonauts have experienced that. Andrew Harris, Brandon Banks, Jagard, uh, Dave, those guys. Sorry, Jagard Davis. Yeah, losing my tongue here. And they have experience with that, but. I just don't think the, the experience on Winnipeg, I think, is going to carry them through right from the head coach right down to the offensive line. And they're Winnipeg's just good. Just, <laughs> I mean, good is a, is a gross understatement. Sorry, Rob, I, you know, I mean, there. I guess the only thing that could really narrow the gap is if, if, if the if the Zach Kolaros ankle injury is of greater severity than, than uh, or is of such severity that it really hampers his play. That is the big question. And I think regardless of what the Bombers say and what Her- with uh, Zach Kalara says, that ankle is still going to be a concern because that's that's still a sprained ankle. At the least it's sprained. You hope it's at least the minor part, minor to how severe it's going to be. But, you know, I, when he walked, when he tried to walk back on the field, and then, and that's a sign of a veteran. He knew he couldn't go. Maybe a younger guy would have tried to get under center and try to pull, pull himself there. But good for Zach for recognizing that. He couldn't go, and the way came in Drew Brown. So good for Zach on recognizing that factor. But I think the ankle is going. We're all going to be watching as much as we used to watch any injury to the quarterback. I think a guy like Zach, and as you mentioned, is is pretty dependent on his mobility. And without that, I don't know what happens. That that kind of changes the game completely. Maybe McLeod Bethel Thompson can have another great game in a row there, and maybe that kind of helps Toronto get back. But Zach's ankle is the uh, focus of a whole lot of stuff. Tomorrow it's going to be interesting. Interesting in the uh, uh, rivals. Today. He's not. He's not among the uh, available players. And I understand he's always been available on the day when he rides on the tarmac. So maybe they're trying to uh, rest him or keep him away from prying in media questions about the ankle. I think the latter would be true. But um, I think uh, we remember. I mean, was and it good 18? luck asking Michael O'Shea about uh, or Michael O'Shea about uh, player uh, injuries during the week. That's I've been be on a, the end of one of those questions a couple times. And he itself. does not take questions about injuries very. <laughs> doesn't that you know? It's Craven Craig towards the end of the season started saying, "I don't have to really tell you that. You can see it on the roster by the end of the week." But Michael O'Shea and uh, Mark Tressman used to be the other guy who hated roster questions and would never answer them. But. Well, guess what though? Um, you're Canadian Football League. You're now in bed with all these online gambling services and pe- people are going to wager money they want to be able to do do so with some degree of confidence that a player is or isn't going to play so you can't have it both ways 
If you want that money, if you want that revenue, if you want that attention, the 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 quid pro quo is you've got to be forthcoming about injuries. Look at the National Football League, for example. Yeah. Uh, you you it's otherwise if you want to just keep keep playing these uh, upper body injury, lower body injuries games that uh, NHL types like. Well, fine, but then uh, uh, I don't think it's you can credibly. Uh, uh, marry yourself to these uh, gambling sites the way you have because that's the the people who are going to bet they need that information it's crucial if you're going to put even a nickel on this game i think you need to have some idea of whether zach Kalaros a is going to play and b uh the severity of the ankle otherwise people are people are going to be betting blind so i think the new landscape dictates more transparency and honesty than uh uh, there has traditionally been or than as anticipated in the days to come. Maybe they could put out like an, an injury report that lists guys' status every day. Oh, well, they do that in the regular season, don't they? And the other teams do that. But I don't know how many of them. I trust them. I, I got to be, we, we saw them enough that I think the injury reports were believable, were credible. Not as bad as the death charts used to be back in the day when those were just a pack of lies about who's going to play and who not. But just pen out an injury report, Zach Kolaris, ankle, questionable. And then... That's so what, if if um let's say Zach's ankle is is good enough for him to be Zach Kalaros, how does Toronto win? Where's the path to victory for Toronto? I think it takes a perfect game from their offense and tons and tons of pressure from their defensive line. I like Toronto's defensive line. I think it's pretty damn good, but they on offense they have to play almost perfect. They they can't let that defensive line get any sort of momentum, any sort of pressure going on them. I think they have the receivers have to be better than Toronto's and the Winnipeg's defensive backs. I really think it's going to take a perfect game. I don't think they can get by with turnovers and those things, which isn't really <laughs> too insightful because, you know, you can't win when they turn the ball over. But I think a near-perfect game is going to be required from the Toronto, whereas the Blue Bombers, they can get away with kind of having a wiggle or two. Or, yeah, they can play their C game and win. Yeah. And they, um, and they, they kind Toronto of needs arguably, its A game. Yeah, Toronto needs its very, very best game to play. play. And let's just – just one quick – it's good to have Toronto playing in the championship game. I, I read the Toronto papers. I still, I, I still haven't seen a whole lot of exposure for the Argos in the Toronto papers when I look at them. Not, they're not the front page. Kind of wonder what they win and where they're going to hold the parade, around, go around BMO Field and come back in. But it, it's good that they, 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 they're still trying to be competitive and they're still considering the market that does this kind of blasé about the Argos with everything else going on. They got a decent crowd by Argo standards on Sunday. 21,000, I think they it was. They seem to be into it. So, um... Well, you and I have been there. They put on a great game day product. I really think people in Southern Ontario are missing out on a great game day product. And I, I kind of like watching games from BMO Field. I think it's got good sight line. Well, the press box is a little, a little to be desired. The press box that wrecked my knee. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me laughing. <laughs> I think the third time was, was the third time you did it or the fourth time? I was time? sitting in the, for the uninitiated, the, the East final in 2017, I was sitting beside, uh, they had kind of a piece of wood below the desk level of the press box that I was sitting beside. And every time I got up, I would turn and I would ram, ram my knee against this thing and let loose with a sound that uh, it's, you know, when I, when you step on the dog's paw, that's kind of the yelp, yelping noise that I would emit. But me being me, I think it happened three times. I, I was, I think I was, uh, I think I had more bruises than some of the players after that game was over. That hurts so badly. The last one, 
I can still hear that. And the then I flew home with no leg room and my, my knee was killing me. Oh, so. I still remember you pop it hit in the last one, the noise you made. And I know yeah, it was after the game. It was it was just like <laughs> got up and was like, Oh man. So that great great stadium, but do something do something about the, the press box. Yeah, that's good. It's lethal. Yeah. Rob, I don't Does Winnipeg have a weakness? Like is there something exploitable? Place kicking. I think uh their place kicker missed two converts and one of the and the first time when's the last time they you know we haven't even touched about all the craziness and zaniness we saw in that um, west final with the guy returning a convert for two points which i i don't ever remember seeing it probably has happened but i don't remember. and i think uh legio you're gonna help me with that one rob legio legio sorry legio 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 uh he's inconsistent i think he's, he's he had a pretty good average i think he's over 80 but i still think he hasn't proven that he can Kick is make the big kick, not like they did last year with Sergio Castillo. I think that that's their weakness. I really think special teams place kicking is a, is one they have to work out. Toronto's to. place kicking, I don't think is any better. Isn't much better either. You know, so I, I think those two. Could, all. So you could have two guys coming down battling with rouges in the last minute of the game to see who can make a. And the weather conditions, considering we're in November, are supposed to be quite normal. You know, like minus eight, I think, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it doesn't look that bad. You know, for five o'clock on a November in Regina. You know, maybe maybe they should continue to leave the Grey Cup in the end of November and quit fooling around with these ideas of wrapping the season up in October. But that's a whole other rant that I... Well, you know, you never know. If you move the Grey Cup up a week or two, you could have had the situation in Regina where the Regina Thunder ran into <laughs> when they play Winnipeg and you've got people out there with shovels. Wouldn't that be a Grey Cup lore type story? But uh, once you... I mean, in 2009, it snowed on the final day of September. Or the final Sunday of September. So, once you get into the fall in Canada in the prairies, you know there's really no fail safe. I mean, look Reynolds at the Grey Cup. Look at the Grey Cup weather in 2013. It was beautiful that day, and it was brutal the rest of the week. Craig Reynolds had some numbers. He says that the weather is better in early October, on average, than it is in November. We know that, and that's maybe why they're they're looking at avoiding bad weather games. And it looks like they're going to avoid this one. But you know, as a fans. The fans know what to do. They know how to dress. They know how to dress in layers. They know how to, uh, you know, the lucky ones that get to sit in the AT lounge, AG, the lounge, and then the suites are going to stay warm. I think we'll be okay, people. Don't worry about us. We will have to navigate our way to the press box. But we'll Actually, bro, I got you working the stands on Sunday. Didn't I tell you about that? <laughs> well, I think I just quit. Thank you. I had to mind. do that in 95. Somebody else has got to take that bullet. Did you? Did that was cold. I was the stands roamer on November nineteenth, nineteen ninety five. I went to the very top oh, of the temporary right. bleachers on the uh, south side, and my pen, the ink in my pen froze, and I had to engrave what I was writing into my notepad, and then kind of hold it up and look if I could see if I could read the indentations. It was like Fred Flintstone typing with the chisel. Our sports staff was so large back then that David Moser and I stayed in the office in case somebody called in a score. Hmm. That's the two of us sitting there watching the game. I should have phoned in a score. Baltimore 37, <laughs> Calgary 20. And here's my dog. Yeah. Look at her. Aww. Is she not the most adorable dog? Say hi, Candy. Who do you think she's picking for the Grey Cup? Does she care? <laughs> uh, well, she likes um, she likes uh, Toronto because they have Jim Barker. And because they once had a part owner named John Candy. That's so, true. Yeah, yeah Candy's a, Candy's an Argo fan. Those seem familiar, though. Those jokes. Yeah, I used that joke the other day in a okay. column, but <laughs> I had to recycle it. Um, you want to go and just? I guess we can if we want to go there. What about the Player of the Year awards? Do we excited about those, or is it? 
Most of them seem pretty cut and dry, don't they? Yeah. Is there any mystery to any of them? I think maybe defensive player might be a little bit of one with Sean Lemon and uh, uh, what's his name from Ottawa? <laughs> Tells you how much. Uh, so he had 17. They had a bunch of sacks. So maybe I think the rest of them are all. And I, I actually anticipate a West sweep, you know, just from everything. And, you know, we can touch a little bit upon that. Mario Alford is the special teams player of the year, but not an all-star, which is befuddling in other ways, which, mind you, compared yeah, to... Yeah, Mario Alford should end up winning that one. Compared to what happened to the all-star voting, I think that's an even a little minor concern <laughs> this year. But, uh, yeah, Mary Alford should. But Grant had a pretty good year with the Bombers, too, though. It just, I think, hard, over, hard to overlook four TDs. Yeah, so. but it's, you know, Grant's not in the running for this one. It's it's uh, Mary Alford versus Chandler, Chandler Worthy. So, so. Yeah, so, but yeah, I got my teams mixed up. Sorry. Great cup fever already, uh, folks. Defensive it's player slow. of the year in the East is Lorenzo Malden, the fourth, yeah, yeah. I believe. You had to look him Ottawa. up, didn't you? I was just trying to remember whether it was third or fourth. <laughs> is he Lorenzo Malden, the third or the fourth? Yeah. And then there's Zach. Kolaris <laughs> is the here. player of the year with Eugene Lewis, and I think Zach's going to win that handedly. Rourke's the top Canadian. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, Dalton, Shoon, Shane, man. Sean. Sean. Yeah, I'm having a wonderful time with names today. Uh, he could have been player of the year, you know, in a lot of other teams. He was so good, so much fun to watch. Yeah, I I am looking forward to watching him in person again. That's one player I really enjoy watching. I remember even the preseason game that Winnipeg played here, and Zach Kolaris didn't play in that game. It's like, man, is this guy good? Just the he was making all sorts of difficult catches over the over the middle, and just uh, with Drew Brown and to go to Prukop, Prukop throwing the ball. It's like, is this guy ever good? You could just tell he had yeah. something, and and uh, again, uh, maybe I'm retreading old turf here but why couldn't the riders bring in somebody like that <laughs> well, remember we once had a guy like that who came up and blew up the league named weston dressler many many yeah. many many moons ago yeah that's it. he thought, came in and, and did exactly that candy is so cute look at that pup isn't she cute you know so yeah, yeah i don't think there's much mystery to the uh to the awards in most stanley cases. bright i think will win again i just uh, Unfortunately, being a voter, we once you win once as an offensive lineman, you're guaranteed to win it a few more times because you get you get the reputation and you get the name recognition. And not saying that he's not good either. Although Gene, although Gene Mikowski was named a runner-up after winning it twice, so it doesn't guarantee you winning it. No, but the one I would really like to see uh, on Thursday night, I hope Dan Clark gets the Jake Goddard Veterans Award. Yeah, if ever a player was was suitable for an award in, in this league. When you consider what that uh, award embodies and just the, the courage and the traits exhibited by Canada's veterans and, and the commitment and dedication to community, every box that you want to check off yeah. for that award, uh, I think uh, uh, you can in the case of Dan Clark. And the fact that that it, that uh, the Great Cup is in Regina this year, his hometown, if Dan Clark doesn't get that award, I mean, but I mean it, every nominee is deserving, but this one yeah, just seems to be absolutely perfect you know, for Dan Clark. When you really read what he went through, the, and none of the others have gone through the injuries. They've gone through the injuries, but it's, it's, it's unfair to the others to disparage what they've done because they've done just as amazing things. And it really highlights, and you and I both, it highlights what these guys do in the community. Like, you know, you'll see during the summer, there'll be a couple of riders after practice at a football camp at some, you know, park in Harbor Landing where there's, a, you know, kids there and they're doing their part. And the CFL players, almost all of them do their part in the community get out there, they sign autographs, they're good to people. They're, you don't hear too many bad things. 
Well, I mean, the the, the Rough Riders had a, I think the Regina Red Sox had a uh, Rough Rider night this past season. And I, I recall talking to uh, one fan. He said, I wouldn't believe, I couldn't believe this. And my son met Mike Adam. And not only was Mike really nice to the kid, he says, yeah, why don't you come to practice? Come to practice tomorrow. You know, and they're just, yeah, there's that, there's... there's that kind of bond. Um, you hear about the amazing things that Brett Lothar does yeah. and uh, around the community. I mean, there's, there are so many worthy candidates and you're right. The other, the other, other, the eight people who don't win the Jake Goddard veterans award uh, are all champions in their own right. But it's just this one, because it's in, in Regina, I think that should tip it in the, in, in favor of Dan Clark. If, if, uh, if I just can't see how they, how it doesn't go in that direction. Yeah. And there's also the hall of fame uh, media luncheon on Saturday, which or Sunday which has two connections to the Rough Riders. Glenn Suter is going into the media wing, and Ed Willis, uh, an old reporter with the Leader Post, is also going into the media wing. So there's, you know, there's another, I don't think that's going to try to stampede to the breakfast or anything like that, but there's a couple of regional Well, if, if there's a the, media and a free breakfast, there will be a stampede. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've been to them because it's 9 o'clock in the morning, but when else would breakfast be? It's not as well attended as you might think after a Saturday night of the Great Cup Festival and... Well, I, I give you my my assurance that I will not be there, so everybody will have a nice time. I also want to, and I know we're 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 involved in the football, but I, I've looked through the schedule of events for the Grey Cup, and I have to really be impressed with, with how they've everything's organized. It's not just the Grand National drunk anymore; it's a family event with, you know, there's time for the partying, there's time for parenting, and those things. But I I think the riders in the CFL, considering how much time they have, they should have been able to do a pretty good job of organized what looks like a great great cup festival huge fan of having every the footprint all at real district except for the spirit of edmonton which would be at the connexus art center i think that's a great idea just park your car whatever you got to do take the bus and everything's going to be there i'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to introduce things the fun things for kids and maybe that's something that'll help the league grow a little bit you know grab these kids that they remember they went with their parents and had a blast at the great cup I, i'm not sure how much how many of the things are free or not but I, I really think that they've uh, gone beyond themselves in creating what should be an amazing festival. And once we get around to, to the buzz catching on, like Wednesday night when Colin James plays a free uh, opening kickoff, I think there's going to be a, a real festival feeling to what's going on here. And hopefully we can get out there and sample some of it. But, geez, Rob, can I, can I have some time to do a little bit of party? Are you going to try the slide? <laughs> that's that's my career. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But it looks oh, there's, like there's fun. so many openings there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, uh, I think there's lots of things to do, and I I know it's it's not it's a part of the football, and it's going to be because they got to make money. Like this is not a this is you know they're coming off of a couple of tough years because of COVID, and they need to make 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 some money. So. Well, I'm sure the beer prices will be reflective of the oh, yeah. uh, need to to make money. That's uh, I'm As glad I always said if, if you can afford to get drunk at Ryder games, you have too much money. Exactly. So, and I think if you can get it for it, well, you're there all day. It'll be cool. I love seeing the fans. I just think it's a reminder of how much, how beloved this league is and how, as you said earlier about friends you see, you haven't seen for a long time, I'll come up and hug you. And, and you know, it's, it's fun. It's well, supposed I'm, to be uh, fun. I'm going out on Saturday night with a friend of mine named Richard Gordon. And I, Rich and I went to Campbell Collegiate together and, uh, and I uh, used to sit we were we had season tickets together in section 204 row 14 and, and rich now lives in houston and rich okay. is coming in for the football game we're going to go out for a 
uh, on Saturday night, me and uh, Rich and a friend of mine uh, from high school, or of ours from high school, Scott McKenzie, now living in Saskatoon. So uh, that's going to be as much of a highlight of the week as, as anything. And that's what the Grey Cup allows to happen. I remember in 2013 when the Grey Cup was here, a friend of mine named Darcy Holstein was in town. Darcy grew up in Regina. I got to know Darcy. We played the same touch football team in Lloydminster during my internship there. So I got to see Darcy and Kim in 2013 because the Grey Cup was here. So it seems every every time there's a Grey Cup here, I get to see some people I haven't seen That's for a long cool. time and have a wonderful time with that. So that, so guess as Chris much Sula as anything, gets, is part of the flavor of Grey Cup week. Chrisula gets stuck babysitting the dog then? She's not going out with you? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think babysitting the dog is really too much penance because she really is cute. <laughs> and once we've... Once we've delved into too much dog talk, even I know it's too much. So it's time to wrap it up. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. Give Candy a 10-star rating. She's adorable. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts or your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email me at rvanstoneatpostmedia.com and we'll read it on the show. We've got one more left, that being next week before... A hiatus. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Vanstone or Murray at Murray LP. Mur, are we both uh, verified? Are we What's both that? verified? Are we both verified on Twitter? Are we blue check marked. Are you? That's eight bucks a month. No way. I'm not <laughs> verified anyway. It's not worth eight bucks a month to to uh, to do that. <laughs> to so. be yelled at. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Elon, for that gift, and thank you, Murray, and thanks for spending time with us today. We will uh, wrap it all up. Uh, in our inimitable fashion next week. For Murray McCormick, our producer, producer Creed and Martell, I'm Rob Vanstone. Thanks for your time. Take care. And for Candy. Bye. <laughs>